Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On Giddy Up, it's time for the debate. Joining me for the debate from thestraight.com.au, Brent O'Brien. Good morning to you, Brent. Good morning, Miles. Lovely day down here in Hobart. A little bit grey, but it's going to be quite warm here today, so it's nice to have a bit of summertime down here in Tassie. Yeah, very warm uh, here this morning. I was driving in around the 10, and it felt very, very warm. Plenty of people out running, and a man that would have been out running uh, probably at 4.30am, maybe even 5am. He doesn't miss a beat. Mr. Plus Six himself, Mickey Gannon. Hello to you, Mickey. Yes, Milo's morning, Bren. Yeah, we've stolen the weather from um, from Tassie. It's uh, drizzling, and it's about 14 degrees here. Unbelievable. First of all, I want to start off, uh, you two, Gareth again on a plane, Saudi Arabia. He doesn't miss, Bren. He, if there's something on overseas and he can get a ticket over, he will go. Yeah, the, uh, the you know, Saudi Arabia has shown great ambition in the racing space and, and you know, built up this enormous race day, which is fantastic. I'm not sure about uh, where Gareth sits within all of that, but um, <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's, I mean, it's obviously, it's it'd be a fascinating place to go and just see what's happening over there and the amount of money and effort that's been put into Saudi Arabia. I'm sure Gareth will bring back a few insights from over there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those uh, international events. We had Qatar last week. We've got Dubai going forward. It's a part of the world which, you know, racing is becoming increasingly uh, higher profile in. And, you know, Saudi Arabia wants to make a move in this space, as they have in a lot of other sports. So uh, Gareth, part of that train. It'd be interesting to see what he has to say about when he comes back. Have either of you ever been? I've never been over there, but I have heard that um, I think Gareth was pretty keen on having a beer, and I've heard that you can't get too many beers <laughs> over there. Give <laughs> me a, a bit of strife. I think he, I think he thought he might have been able to have a beer somewhere, but I don't think he could. Hey, uh, I, I thought we'd start on um, one of the topics. It's been huge in the headlines. I thought we'd touch on Jimmy. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not to... <laughs> oh, that's about to sit down to uh, leave the Zoom. We're not going down the path that Jimmy Star. Uh, I saw the article on the straight.com.au, Bren. I'll start with you. The Nine Network uh, will broadcast the Melbourne Cup Carnival for the next six years uh, in a deal done with Tabcorp and the Victoria Racing Club. Can you just outline for us um, sort of some particulars in regards to this deal? Because some of it seems quite funny to me in regards to to um, essentially how it's going to be broadcast and who's paying for the broadcast. But it, it is a landmark deal. Six years for, for the cup broadcast. Yeah, and it's worth around about $80 million. The final amount hasn't been confirmed, but that's the reported amount it's worth. Now, that's less than what Channel 10 paid for the cup over five years last time. They paid $100 million for that. But the, the nature of the deal is different. Tabcorp are in there as a third party. So Tabcorp take aboard a, a fair bit of the risk here, I suppose, in terms of commercialising the, 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 uh, 
the rights going forward. So it's a, it's a little bit of a little bit of a different type of deal. And VRC take on the production of it, which is quite interesting for me. Like I don't know, maybe I'm a bit of a media nerd in that regard, where uh, governing bodies or or, or or race clubs in this case take on the production. It's quite fascinating. They do take a little bit of the risk. According to that, I mean, if you look at what's happened, um, there's a, a yeah quite. Interesting example of that at the moment in the A League, where uh, you know the the effectively the A Leagues took on the uh, production of of their uh, rights and have been criticised for the quality of production around that. So the, it, it was a, there'll be plenty of scrutiny on this. I think you know I I think the fact that obviously the ten move it didn't work out for them really. Channel Ten didn't didn't renegotiate for the deals. They weren't that interested in doing it, and it wasn't worth the value for them probably in the longer term. Um, you know, the VRC obviously got nine on board, which is a you know, a, a bigger network in that regard. But I think there's some, um, yeah, I, I think there's some questions still to be asked around about this deal, Miles, only for the fact that, um, yeah, it's not, it's different. It's a different broadcaster from what we're usually seeing racing on. Um, and, it, and, it, and it creates that, I guess, division within racing. The one thing we talk about a lot uh, on the debate and across all sorts of media, yeah, you know, how, do how do we make sure that racing's working together? Uh, putting it on different networks is an interesting strategy. Mickey Gannon. Fred. Um, and you'd know far more about this than I do, uh, but I imagine that they're using racing.com talent that will appear on Channel 9. Is that going to be the go or no? No. No, I, I would no. think not because I think that um, – look, I, at this stage, racing.com's role in all this is is uncertain. I reached out to a few people uh, yesterday regarding what, what you know whether racing.com would even have the broadcast, would have the rights to broadcast. That's not determined in this. Tab have the have the effectively the, the on sale rights for all this, so they'll be negotiating with Tab in order to uh you know get get their live broadcast of it going. So uh, this will be a dual broadcast. Yeah, this will be one broadcast team here, and if Racing.com are on track, which is not yet determined, a bit like last time, you know, another broadcast team over there. What worries me a little bit about that, and I think I know what you're getting at here, mm. Mick, is that uh, what concerns me a bit is that you in, a, in an industry which you're talking about efficiency and and, and I guess working together and all this sort of stuff that you have, you know, two, two productions and two broadcast teams going on the biggest day of the year. Um, I, I'm not too sure if that's efficient use of time, but, uh, or, 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 you know, maybe it's the best way to reach a broader audience. I'm, I'm not going to argue that being on different networks does help in, in that regard. But the challenge is, is that you've got, you'll have the Golden Eagle and Rose Hill on Channel 7, which which broadcasts racing every 51 weeks of the year. This is on Derby Day I'm talking about. You've got Derby Day on Channel 9. Um, a lot of people are going to, day-to-day people are going to not know the difference between the two and, and basically stick with Channel 7, which is, you know, you got to wonder what that does. And I think that that was probably a challenge that Channel 10 found when, they, uh, when they've done the deal over the last five years. So maybe nine are going to promote it differently and, and sort of push things forward. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be really interesting to see how it progresses. Mickey? One thing I'll say, yeah, is with this coverage, they need to get racing media involved. People do not want to see fashions of on the field that they don't they don't need it they don't care that is not promoting racing we need to promote racing we need to promote responsible gambling we need to do it with people who can ed, who are educated who can convey what a good bet is and how we're going to play there's too much fancy stuff in this broadcast well i want to put this question to both of you it is i've thought about this at length now the, the, you have your your dot com and your sky coverage which is for racing purists or, or the people that just want to watch the horses. But but we've seen over the years that this product that is put out on the free-to-air is more about the glitz and glamour, the fashion, the sponsorship. I mean, you, you've got – and I had a big problem with it for some time where they'd go to they'd go to a celebrity tipster who's never been to the races and he'd say, I'm having $10 for charity on a roughie at, you know, 
80 bucks and they're interviewing people in a tent. Like it's, they've looked at it from an entertainment perspective, like a red carpet rather than a broadcasting, the racing perspective. Now, is that how you sort of seen it, Brent? I think what what the challenge has been is that is that where the networks see the value in this, as they do with other sports, and it happens, you know, we see in the tennis that they, you know, they forward promote, you know, cricket's the same, you know, we get ads for, you know, maths or whatever else it is going up, going forward with all that sort of stuff. That That's what they'll, they'll use is they'll see this as an opportunity because what they see is the 40 minutes between races as effectively dead air they've got to fill. Um, and so, yeah, obviously promotional opportunities and all that sort of stuff is what's going to come out. You'd like to see the balance of that to be sort of fairly clear. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, is a free-to-wear commercial broadcaster, bet 10 or 9 or whoever, really going to satisfy my thoughts? No, not really. I think the Channel 7 broadcast, personal point of view, the Channel 7 broadcast week to week does a pretty good job of that. Does a really good job of sort of balancing that out of that notion of, of coverage of racing. And I think the difference with them is that they've got races every 20 minutes, you know, so it makes a, makes yeah. a difference. The challenge is, 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 you know, it's okay to say, like, racing's got this challenge, right, that there's kind of people who are kind of interested in racing, not really, and like the fashion and like all that sort of stuff, which is fine. How do you then get those people to, hey, I'm more, in, I want to be more engaged with this sport? Now, whether that be through punting, whether that be through ownership, whether that be through the love of the horse, whatever else it is, but you can't, for me, you can't have these two sideshows. You can't have, you can't have, you know, this fashion thing over there, which is completely separate, and might as well be in a different um, postcode to what's going on in the track. For me, it's got to be about, they have to be connected. And that was the key part of racing across Australia's history has been that, is that connection. I felt probably in the last 15 to 20 years, that's the challenge. The other challenge, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll finish on this point. The other challenge around this is that racing's got to be really careful that it that it doesn't pursue the, the audience that it thinks it, it wants rather than the audience that it actually needs. Yep. And in a time when uh, wagering's declining and there's challenges around the future funding model of racing, it's got to think about how it engages people in its core product. And its core product is wagering and ownership and and, and that connection to the horse stuff, not the ancillary fashion stuff. Uh, I will make one point. Is I had a good think about this last night and Channel 9 do sport well. Yep. And they've yep. always done sport well. And I can't remember a time where I've seen them take something on that they haven't done well. Now, uh, in, in fairness, I've seen Channel 7 take things on that they haven't done well, and I've seen Channel 10 take many things on that they haven't done well. But Channel 9 seem to get it right. They seem to fund it right. They seem to have it look right. They seem to present it right. Is that just a me thing? Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of all the sports that they've done and went back and tried to make a list. They seem to get it right with their talent and how they broadcast. Yeah, spot on. Absolutely spot on. Nothing more to add. Some of them do get it wrong and nine do get it right. But this racing's tricky. And so many have got racing wrong so many times. I think Brent's spot on. We've got to understand as an industry, all right, it's cute and bubbly to sign this deal worth X amount of dollars, but as an industry, we're getting what we want out of this deal. Are we also going to see, Bren, um, the there was also famously, and I did see some stuff on social media, some people that were at Channel 9 that were certainly against the running of the Cup. Do we see those people then appear a bit oh, later yeah. on in the broadcast? Because people change pretty quickly their opinion on racing when all of a sudden they're employed on the TV over a, um, a, a spring carnival period. Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's different when you, when it's when it's your sport, I suppose, or it's your it's on, it's on your network, and you have to change your perspective. I 
I think yeah, I would love to. I'd love to nine to go and unearth some talent out there that had a genuine passion for racing and put them forward. Um, the only thing I'll say about your comment about nine before, I absolutely agree with that, and nine have been great. But what I will say, the challenge has been for nine. Not, I, I don't think nine, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I don't think nine's broadcasted racing uh, in in this way since the Packer era, and that's mm. a long time ago. So their pedigree in this space long term as it may be and obviously Kerry Packer loved to bet as we knew but that's a long long time ago you know I guess what a nine got to bring to the table here would be really interesting and I guess that balance I guess the other challenge is, is how do they commercialize it in a notion where they don't know this is you know getting to sort of government stuff if the government might ban um advertising on free to wide free to wear tv and whether racing gets a carve out so there's probably a few questions there's a lot of questions about this deal moving forward um but yeah I yeah I, I guess we'll suck it and see we'll see what happens I, I'm not the sort of person to be watching a commercial free-to-wear broadcaster on, on Melbourne Cup Day or Derby Day. I'll be finding the best broadcast I can of the pure racing, but I'm not the audience they're trying to attract. Brent, I remember, I, I, look, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I still remember guys like Max Walker and Ken Sutcliffe doing Wide World of Sports yep. from the Oak Bank Easter Carnivals, like out on the lawns. And they did the show from from the Oak Bank, like the Grand National. And, and Nine did racing then, didn't they? And that would have been sort of mid, mid-90s. Yeah, yeah, they used to have they used to have racing every Saturday in the, the wide world of sports. Um, yeah, they'd have the cricket and they'd cross over to the yeah. to Sydney and to and to Melbourne racing. Kenny Calendar yeah, and the twelfth twelfth man made a lot of that famous as well, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> well, you get, you get the daily double legs and all that sort of stuff. It shows you how much racing's evolved and changed since then. But it was a way for racing to get cut through to the public. We've obviously seen Channel Seven take sort of over that space and do a quite a good job of it. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'll, we'll wait and see what Nine can do. They may provide a, a really compelling broadcast. I think that there's, I think the other thing too is the broadcast overseas that does do this racing mix really well. Um, yeah, they they really get the mix of of the storytelling and and I guess the punting side of things, but also the the whole feeling of the place quite well. They get a, obviously a fair bit of social content. I think if you think you're just going to cover a Melbourne Cup broadcast and and chuck celebrities and 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 fashion on the field and fill it with that, well, you're not going to get much out of it. And I think that's the probably the challenge that the previous broadcaster had. Uh, let's put some faith in nine. Hopefully they can you know up the game and suddenly everyone goes, oh look out, that's what we need to do. And they provide some new angles and some new things, and we could say that was great for racing. But um, I guess the challenge is if they're not doing it 51 weeks of the year, um, yeah, the other week of the year is probably you know where they need to make it count. Yeah, hopefully they can carry the expertise through. A few people off the text are saying uh, I don't want a tip from someone from neighbours. I want a professional <laughs> or a, or a former jockey. Could we see the return of of one of the calendars on the betting ring really in the Really in the prices. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> you remember those oh, days? Kenny. Oh, Kenny just reeling him in. 66 to 1, you know. <laughs> the Watlings. Oh, yeah. Well, he was the other day, wasn't he? Yeah. Hey, uh, this is a debate. Bren O'Brien from the straight. Mickey Gannon from the great tip-off. Miles Fitzner with you. We're going to jump to our first break. On the other side of this, I want to talk about Justify. We saw an article uh, that I know Brian and comment that he could be one of the best ever. Brent, I want your thoughts on that on the other side of this. This is Giddy Up. Miles Fitzner filling in for Gareth Hall. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. 8.24 on this Wednesday morning. Miles Fitzner filling in for Gareth Hall. For Giddy Up, uh, it's debate time. Bruno O'Brien from The Straight. Mickey Gannon from The Great Tip-Off. We've covered off... Uh, the Channel 9 rights, gentlemen. I wanted to touch on, I saw an article, um, Martin Stevens uh, spoke to Aidan O'Brien, Bren, about, about Justify. And he said, the quote in the headline says, Justify could be the best ever. Um, when we talk stallions, there's been some that have changed the game. Um, 
Is he one in your eye that that will or can or should? It's, it's a it's a really fascinating article because I guess we don't get to see Aidan O'Brien talk at length. Uh, he often talks about you know which horses are going where and what jockeys he's putting on and all that sort of stuff. But he's obviously yeah, you know, extremely intelligent man. He works with. Yeah, you know, the close to the smartest, and not the smartest people in the game. The Magnus John Magnier in particular has, has been a genius at um, you know, at building building up, you know, legacies and, and generations of um, dynasties. That's what the word I was looking for yeah. of, of stallions and building things through. And it was really a really interesting discussion because he spoke about the horse himself and why he thought Justify was such an extraordinary, or you know, a game changer. And what he said, he said he's a sprinter who could stay, and he said physically he was such a strong horse. Uh, which we usually ascribe to, um, you know, those sprinting, strong sprinting type horses. But he he's been able to, he's been able to prove that he'd stay, and he's now showing that in his progeny as well. And the best stallions show that. Now, just I'll run you through a few stats here. He's had twenty six stakes winners from two hundred sixty four runners globally at the moment. Now that's at that about ten percent, which is considered absolutely elite for a stallion. So his start to his stallion career has been quite extraordinary. Um, obviously, his oldest crop in Australia is three. Uh, amongst that. Uh, 26 stakes winners are six group one winners, and that's probably where you know that greatness sort of thing's coming from. He's had five stakes winners from 55 in Australia. Um, the most notable, which obviously in Australia at the moment is Storm Boy, who's you know obviously you know been a big purchase recently and is, is ruling favourite for the Golden Slipper. So, I mean, it's it's given the success he's had, particularly overseas in 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 North America and in in Europe and England and Ireland, there's um, you know, it's understandable that I know Brian has his enormously high opinion of this horse. Um, in Australia, his record has been very, very, you know, champion first season. So our last year, amazing, you know, produced a really amazing horse issue and Storm Boy. There's, there's a lot to say about uh, about Justify. The only thing I'll say is precocity is probably the thing that's come out from Justify, which is probably a little bit surprising given he himself didn't race as a two-year-old, right? But but precocity is something and speed are the two things we do best here in Australia. Um, arguably, we produce, well, I don't think arguably, we produce the best sprinters in the world. And we produce some of the best two-year-olds in the world. And I think what's fascinating about Justify, where he sits in the Australian landscape, is that he's not competing against horses on the stallion table who produce derby horses, classic horses, you know, even milers, whatever else. He's competing against horses like Snitzel and I'm Invincible, who have been producing the best sprinters uh, and the yeah, and the, some of the best young horses over the past 10 years. So the challenge is yeah, where he sits in Australia would be interesting. I guess the other challenge in Australia is how long he's coming out here for. He missed one year, the year before last. There's a question about whether he comes back again because uh, he's become very valuable in the Northern Hemisphere in terms of where he sits. So he's made an amazing start and I said not doubting Aidan O'Brien's judgment whatsoever. I mean, he's he's overseen horses like Galileo who has been an absolute game changer in the Northern Hemisphere. But we saw Galileo's progeny not do as well out here. So... Whether he can make that global footprint is a question, but I have no doubt that you know in Aidan O'Brien's world, which we're talking about the Northern Hemisphere, justified with the superstar sire, um, challenging Frankel for probably the next 10 years. A city of Troy, obviously, the pin-up there in the Northern Hemisphere, but Mickey Gannon, we've seen the likes of Storm Boy, but also learning to fly as a two-year-old looked like it could have been anything as well. Yeah, it could have been anything and still can be anything. So... Uh, yeah, I agree with everything Bren says there. And Storm Boy could come out and blow them away in a slipper, could win the Triple Crown. Wow, we wouldn't you like to have uh, have some ownership in Justify? Yeah, you'd love to have some. Do you remember they was it the Ferrari? Just the hair. Was it the Ferrari with Justify? Yeah, the first one to win the Group One won the Ferrari. Got it. No, nah, well, was it for the owners or for the trainers? 
I'm not sure to be honest. The deal, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a it was a bit of a complicated deal. I think, um, yeah, I, I, it was a great promotion, but I don't think they honestly expected them to be that precocious and that fast and forward as they, as they have shown. But they are different animals. I don't know, Mickey, Mickey what you assess as physically as these horses, they are big, strong animals. We've seen it with Storm Boy, and Bruce. it's probably. It's probably a, a little bit of surprise. I, I remember going way back to the Weanling sales a couple of years ago. I was covering the Weanling sales about three or four years ago. And uh, I said to a, a vendor, oh, what, what type of horse are they like? And he just looked at me and said, they're not small. <laughs> <laughs> and that was at a Weanling stage. So if, you, if, you, if you're talking about horses that, that are that big at Weanling stage, I guess the concern then that they're going to grow into what's effectively called hard horses as two-year-olds or, or as yearlings. They certainly didn't. They developed into beautiful horses, probably, um, you know, not as commercially uh, commercially uh, strong as as probably the big boys and just like the invincibles and schnitzels or whatever else. But geez, there was a there's a real fervor around them at the moment. And I think the fact that there's a little bit of a question mark about whether he comes back out to Australia, they've certainly got to put a premium on him, on them going forward. Plus the extraordinary results. And Stormboy comes out and wins everything, changes the game. Gentlemen, we've got a few topics to cover on the other side of the news. Make sure you're ready. We're going to cover whether or not the Blue Diamond Futurity Oakley Plate this Saturday is the best day of the carnival. Well, I want to talk about the depth of the Blue Diamond. I want to talk about Imperatries, either the Newmarket or the William Reed. And I want to talk about the top three horses in the country. That's to come on the debate. On the other side of the news, Miles Fitzner with Brent O'Brien and Michael Gannon back right after this. Welcome back to Giddy Up. Miles Fitzner filling in for Gareth Hall, who is off to Saudi Arabia. Do it all thanks to Bet365, of course. This is the debate. Bruno Bryan, Mickey Gannon with you right around the country. Send us a text 0499 736 736 or join us via SEN Talk. Any questions for the boys or your top three horses at the moment in Australia? One thing I want to touch on before we get into a few other things, boys, is at the passing of very elegant Brennan. I'm... I mean, you don't get horses like this very often. I know it sounds a little bit cliche, but um, I don't think people fully understand the record of this horse. When you talk about group ones at three, four, five and six and the trips that this horse also managed to win group ones over, that that's phenomenal in its own right, let alone doing that and winning a Melbourne Cup. Uh, her versatility is extraordinary, really. So you mentioned one group one from 1,400 up to, to two miles won the Melbourne Cup. The last... Melbourne Cup winner before her to win uh, over 1,400. A group one over 1,400 as well as the Melbourne Cup was Saintly, and that was a very long time ago. <laughs> I was just a young lad back then. Wow. So I, I, she's, um, she was an extraordinary horse. Um, I think the other thing that too, I've forgotten about, I mean, she won 11 group one races. She won 10 different group one races. Now, by that, I mean like different races every year. Now, you know, Winx won 25 group one races, extraordinary. She only won um, 11 in individual group one races. She won a lot of horse, a lot of races repeat, including the Cox Plate famously. Now that's yeah, it's just an interesting uh way to measure horses, I guess, versatility over time. Um and their ability just to, to adapt to different races. It wasn't like the program was there for her to just to exploit. Uh Chris Waller to his credit took her to all sorts of places. And 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 when she went she went to the Melbourne Cup twice. I mean what a remarkable horse. I mean she's she was um and what she was able to do that day when she absolutely like she, she she destroyed that field. It was a, a great modern Melbourne Cup moment when she beat Incentivise. Um, she's she's an amazing horse. And and, and I think, you know, as you said, probably underappreciated, probably for the fact that she came along exactly the, as Winx was retiring. We thought, oh, yeah, Waller's got a nice handy filly. 
she's a dead set superstar. Um, and I think it's, yeah, a probably a couple of weeks ago, I thought, let's not, you know, what, does she really deserve a group one race? Of course she deserves a group one race in her honour. And she get, they get to run that. The old Chippy Norton, which I think she runs Saturday week, will be running her honour. And I, I think there's no more fitting honour for a horse that's an absolute superstar of the turf. Got on. Yeah, spot on. Summed it up to perfection. That that Melbourne Cup win was great. And I think her first Melbourne Cup, she was three wide the trip and um was really good. And, you know, as a four man loss, we probably miss missed that run more than anything. But I think she was penned as a as a pure wet tracker uh early on. But uh she showed great versatility and was an absolute star. I don't think we put enough emphasis on and I'm big on this, is when horses can do it from three to six. I I mean if you if you're winning a group one every year as you go through, you're not, you're not having like most horses will 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 give you a, a, a bad year, a bad two years mm. you, to continuously win group ones over different age groups is enormous. Yeah, yeah I think that that it, it, her versatility and strength, like you know, she was just an amazing horse was just coming back and and buttering it up, and and I, yeah, that there was that little bit at the end of her career when she went overseas, like. Fair enough. She was she was she was she was finished by then, and and she told them that pretty quickly, and they had their four runs over there and whatever. But if you look at her record, and I guess the other thing too is where she came from. Like so, her size Z two years before she was she was she was um, polled, she was servicing Clydesdale mares in the deep <laughs> south of New Zealand. Now beyond the um, logistics of trying to service Clydesdale mares, yeah, I was um, going to say that that's that's a feat in its own right. <laughs> There's a fair um, bit of versatility there, Brent. He was pulled back out of pulled back out of pulled back out of service from up there at Nerawan, Erawan, sorry, which is nowhere backwards, uh, and and pulled back out of there from the South Island and said, "Oh, Grange William Stud said we'll give this guy another go." And um, yeah, and 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 that that's what they owed it to. And and, and Don Goodwin, who was a shareholder in Zed uh, Foresight, in finding a mare who had a also had a um, eight carat, the legendary eight carat, the influential brood mare on his. We wanted to cross there, and he created well. First, very flash. She was actually a half decent horse. I think won a listed race, but then very elegant. Who became an absolute superstar. When I mean, where she came from was remarkable. As I said, she was described as being plain, but spirited when she was when she was when she was born and when she grew up. They said we're not going to take it to the sales. She'll, she'll get about two thousand dollars. And then um, when Nick Bashara started started the trainer, um, he's just like, hang on, we've got something special here. And she had uh, two starts in New Zealand. Remember, one three starts in New Zealand actually, a second and two wins. Uh, came over for Darren Weir, as we know, spent six months with Weary before Weary was suspended and then went to Chris Waller and the rest was history. And it was amazing history she was able to create. And I think we, should, we need to celebrate these horses. And, yeah, she's one of the best Melbourne Cup winners we've had this century in terms of the quality that she was able to achieve. And, um, yeah, just a great horse. horse. Those horses that come back year after year and compete, we've got to celebrate them more. Alligator Blood's you know, recently not necessarily retired, but, yeah, it looks like he's on the way out. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, these horses we've got to celebrate because they do remarkable things. Mickey Cannon, it leads me into Waller's best five ever. Yeah. All right. So it, I think three three to four are a lock, aren't they, of of Waller's? David, what have you got you, as your top five? Winks will be one. Yep. Very elegant. Two. Yep. Nature Strip three. Yep. Now it gets interesting. <laughs> it does. Now it gets interesting. Uh, found it hard, but I'm going with uh, the Autumn Sun. The easy option. The easy option. Yeah. Make a statement, Mick. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, 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 purely because an Everest is is harder to win than slippers. So, um, Bren, Waller's best five? Yeah, I mean, 
the top three picked themselves. Yep. Uh, yeah. The only knock on the Oldham son is that he didn't race on as a four-year-old. He didn't do anything wrong. You can't knock him. He may have been the you know one of the best horses we've seen in you know, going forward. We just don't know with him. But he was he was what he was able to achieve in his very in his short career was was remarkable. I'm just looking through the list we've got now. I mean, yes, 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 an interesting one. Fangirl obviously put herself forward with a fantastic win on the weekend, but that's just recency bias in action. She she, well. she could she could leap yeah. any of those, right? Yeah, absolutely. Not, she, well, she, she, she won't, won't leap winks. winks. She, she won't leap. But she could leap any of those in the top from two to four. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I don't I, know if I, she'll I, leap very elegant. Or, yeah, or I, nature strip. I reckon she's she's leaped to four. If, if she if she wins a Cox Plate, she can get there. Is uh, Brent? Have you got like a brazen bow or a zoo star in your list? Well, you've got. I mean, Militarise another one, three time Group One winner, Golden Rose winner. Mm. Now, probably he was beaten on the weekend, but you know his record is extraordinary. And Vincent Bell was a great mare. We've got Shinzo won a Golden Slipper. We've got Home Affairs. Who you know, did what he did and was a you know, a remarkable horse beat um, Nature Strip and the Lightning. Uh, no, yeah, Lightning. Yeah, and then we've got uh, yeah, Brayden Boat Zoo Start. I mean, it's in terms of impacts, they're, they're they're massive horses. It's really, it's actually the fifth one to fill out in that list is quite hard. We were sending texts around last night trying to work out where things fit in. Who do I put there at the moment? Oh, geez, I'll probably go militarized, but oh, geez, Brayden Boat was a bloody good horse, wasn't yeah. it? and so was Zoo Star. So it's it's really hard to leave any of them out. I'd be with one of those to fill in. For me, how many group ones has Fangirl won? It'll be it'll be a few more by the end of the autumn, and I think by the end of the spring she'll be in that top five. After what we saw, which well and truly yeah. in the top five, probably after the end of this spring, the way that yeah win was three. on the weekend. She's won three. Won three. three. She won the King Charles Stakes. She won the Binary uh, Stud Stakes and won the Wink Stakes. Uh, but that win the other day was 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 remarkable. Uh, yeah, and and yeah, we talked about very elegant before. We mentioned Wings. Waller's record with these mares and his ability mm. to get them back year after year. I mean, talk to anyone about training fillies and mares. Like from 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 preparation to preparation, at, yeah, campaign to campaign, they're really hard to sort of keep motivated. Um, his ability to keep these these uh, fillies and mares keep going is quite quite remarkable. And yeah, obviously, eke out these many Group One wins out of them, and and she'll be an extremely valuable broodmare moving forward. I'll start with you, Bren. Is the Blue Diamond Futurity Oakley Plate Day? Is this the best day of the entire carnival in Melbourne or overall? Overall, nah, 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 nah. You can go on slipper days better day. Than are, this. You, are you fair income? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boys. <laughs> um, I, I would say it's a great day of racing. What I will say is, like the Blue Diamond is a, I, I, it is. I guess the expectations <laughs> there because we've got a lot of horses coming back, um, and uh, yeah, and and. Yeah, we, we don't know a lot about these horses. The Blue Diamond the horses could come out of nowhere. I think it's there's a lot of expectation around this day. Um, and it's a great day historically and a really interesting day in terms of the horses that come out of it. I don't think it compares to the bigger days in Sydney towards the back end of the carnival, but um, it's certainly the whole lot of the Melbourne carnival for me. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a really great day of racing um, and there's a lot to be learned out of it. Gano? I would have rather discussed Jimmy Starr. <laughs> well, can we talk about, though, uh, the one thing I want to discuss very briefly is yeah. the depth of this blue diamond. Now, I'm not a massive two-year-old guy. You know that. Um, you know that especially, Gano. But this yeah. looks extremely deep for me and one of the deeper blue diamonds for probably a few years, Gano. Yeah, it is. Definitely is. The tail's probably not as long and winning chances are, are, are a lot higher, which is... Fantastic! It's everything you've just said there. In saying that, I think there's only two chances oh, yeah, because right the barrier, on. the barrier draw have put the two best horses next to each other, and they're both on speed horses, Coleman and Lady of Camelot. 
if the barriers, if they had it both drawn wide, then it would have been the most open blue diamond I've ever seen. But there's more depth to this one for sure, Brent. Yeah, there's upsides upside too. I just had a look through there. 10 Colts, 8 fillies, 14 different size represented. Um, yeah, three unbeaten horses. There's 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 a lot to look forward to. The horse I'm looking forward to is Coleman. I think he's the horse that's got the upside. And he's a horse who could be you know, the target of a possible uh, you know, uh, Colts deal going forward. He's he's owned by Trilogy, part owned by Trilogy, who, who've got shares in Blue Game Farm. So it's a possibility he might end up there. But if he wins the Blue Diamond and wins it well, I would dare say Yulong will be looking forward to trying to put an offer to try to acquire him. I'm not saying they will, but given their connection with Parada, his sire, um, yeah, he looks thing. And, and I think he's a horse that, that that appears to have the most talent and upside going forward. So he's probably one I'm looking at. But Bodyguard, he could become I'm Invincible's first ever great run two-year-old winner. So there's plenty of intrigue in this race. And it's, a, it's always been a great race, the Blue Diamond, and this year's no exception. Uh, we've got a few texts coming in and a few questions. We'll get to them on the other side of the break. This is the the debate. Miles Fitzner, Bren O'Brien and Mickey Gannon with you on Giddy Up. Miles Fitzner filling in for Gareth Hall back right after this. Well, welcome back. Sounds like my punting on a Saturday. <laughs> get knocked down, but we get up again. Miles Fitzner filling in for Gareth Hall on Giddy Up. It's a debate. Brent O'Brien, Mickey Gannon joining me. Gentlemen, can you remember, I'll start with you, Brent. Can you remember a time where the top three horses in Australia are clear cut, as clear cut as they are at the moment, being Fangirl, Imperatries and Mr. Brightside? Um, so just, just put a bit of context on this. Are we talking about? <laughs> there you go. Or are we talking about right now? Or what are we talking right about? Right now, right now, they are the, they are cl- quite clearly that. So without be, a fight, does you can't include? Well, yeah, you, pro- you can't. Like as in right now, running. That's that's where we're at. Okay. I mean, well, I, Jeez, you, Joe, you've got, Joey I, won't be happy with you. I got. I wish I win. You've got. Um, you've think got without a fight. You've got think about it. Yeah, we're leaving out the winners of the two richest races in the country for a start, but um, with the Everest winner and the Melbourne Cup winner, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, for me, without a fight, I have to be in the top three at the moment. I, like this sort of debate about the horse of the year stuff that's come up, um, it's the sort of stuff that journos come up halfway through the year because they've forgotten about what to write about, but that, I'm guilty of that as anybody. <laughs> wow. I'm as guilty Brent, as that Brent, as anybody Brent, else, don't worry. Brent, that's exactly what I put in here when I've come in here to fill in for Gareth for a day, mate. <laughs> 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 because I've got about three and a half minutes to fill. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Fangirl, yeah, who ran the weekend, as you mentioned, was extraordinary and, and, and she's now about... Look, I don't think... Beatrice is the best horse in the land by that far. It's not funny at the moment, in my opinion. That far? Um, what a neck. Yeah. No, no, no. In terms of what, in terms of what you've been able to achieve so far this year, you cannot, you can't base it upon one run. You've got to base it upon that. And her run on the weekend, you know, she's not, she's, she was not firing all cylinders. But geez, there's a lot to look forward to with her. Oh, yeah. Where they go is probably the next question. Mickey J, as we sit, as we sit right now on form, and the the horses as they come into their next start, Fangirl number one, clearly, Mr. Brightside number two. And think about it will be number three for me because All I love what Imperatrice did. I love Imperatrice and I thought she was the best sprinter in the world. But I just wasn't overly convinced of what I saw on Saturday. She won the race. She did it well. I'm just not convinced she's come back as good as what she was in the spring. If- and we're talking about next start, what we're going to see next start from a horse. If, if, if think about it and Imperatrice would go head to head, my money would be with think about it. There's a few off the text. Most people saying uh, fangirl. A few had a suggestion of Stormboy. One, someone said Stormboy and Queen of Caves. Um, 
Uh, people asking if Gareth's still at Bar Bambi and, and uh, a couple mentioning about <laughs> a couple mentioning how can you forget without a fight. One quick question, said uh, well, Bren, quickly for you in, in, in the last 25 seconds. Do you think Sandown will ever host Saturday Metro meetings? Again, no, I'll, I'll, go back I'll to say, hosting. I'll say no. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll say no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I should. Who knows, who knows what might happen going forward? Hey, no. gentlemen, I've thoroughly enjoyed this morning. Thanks for having me and filling in. Um, and uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Hopefully I can come back on and debate with you guys once more. Bren, appreciate your time as always, my friend. Thank you, Ross. Mi- Mickey G, I'll be chatting to you a bit later on for Bag of Tips. Have you, you coming ready to pounce? Got two at Hawksby, mate. Can't wait. Uh, mate, appreciate your time, both of you. Thanks, uh, We'll see you all again next week. Bren O'Brien and Mickey Gannon there for the debate.